been in our series of um, Jesus, you know, and it's just, it's such a, a good, oh, I just love it. I just love it. I'm being ministered to. We've had one week, right? Um, <laughs> you know, 1 Corinthians 2, Paul's speaking, and he says, and this is the para- this is a message, it's like a paraphrased version. It says, you'll remember, friends, that when I first came to you to let you in on God's sheer genius, sheer genius, I love that, um, I didn't try to impress you with polished speeches, you know, or the latest philosophy, but I deliberately kept it plain and simple. First, Jesus and who he is, then... Jesus and what he did. Jesus crucified. Yeah. So I love this. It's simple. Do you know? And sometimes we can associate simple with plain or ineffective. But don't make that mistake. The simple truths about who Jesus is, about his character, about his attributes and what he's done for us are absolutely transformative. And I just love that we're in a series where we can just literally meditate on those things. You might not learn anything new. You might not learn any new knowledge tonight. But what my prayer is for you is that you'll receive greater revelation of Jesus to you. Because as we take these simple truths and we ingest them into our heart and we surrender more and more to those things, that transforms us. So tonight we are looking at Jesus as my shepherd. And it's, it's awesome. So just stick with me if you're not a church person and you're thinking, what the heck? <laughs> um, hey, Joel and Kelly, are you guys back for the first time? No. <laughs> hey. <laughs> These guys have been on a honeymoon and I totally miss them coming back. So nice to see you guys. Welcome back. <laughs> John 10, 10, the thief comes only to steal, kill and destroy. And I have come that they may have life and life to the full. I am the good shepherd. This is Jesus speaking. Oh, and so this is one of Jesus' favorite metaphors about himself. Shepherd, which I'm sorry to tell you, means the church, a favorite metaphor is a flock of sheep. <laughs> yeah. Psalm 100 verse 3 says, Know that the Lord is good. He, it is he who made us and we are his, the sheep of his pasture. So there's not a lot of room for like self-assurance or independence in this metaphor. Like, <laughs> you know, woo, we're sheep. <laughs> but what it does is it speaks strongly of our dependence on Jesus. So that's what it's all about. So the closest uh, English word from the Bible, like the English word for the biblical word shepherd is pastor. So perhaps you could say, Jesus is my pastor. How's that? How's that go? You know, we all need a pastor, one who cares for us, loves us, watches over the matters of heart and soul, who leads us in the ways of God. And you know what? At Oceans Perth, we've got lots of pastors. You're very fortunate. It's not just Shafin and I. Thank goodness. We have our lead team. We have Jaden and Ash, Kels, Dan, Evangeline, David, Courtney, Gemma, Josh, Beck, Jake, Flick, and our dinner party leaders. Incredible pastors. And they're here and they, they love you and they serve you and they care for you. You know, 1 Peter 5, 2 to 4 says to these guys, it says, um, be a shepherd of God's flock that is under your care, serving as overseers, not because you must, but because you are willing, as God wants you to be, not greedy for money, but eager to serve. Not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being an example to the flock. There's it again, the flock. (laughs) And when the chief shepherd, chief shepherd, 
That's Jesus. When he appears, you will receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. And so while human pastors are a gift to the church and they're a gift to you, ultimately what we need and what can never replace this is a deeply intimate personal connection that you can have with the chief shepherd, Jesus, my pastor. So I want you to leave today, if you haven't already, with a greater revelation of Jesus as your pastor, to know the comfort, love and care that you can have with him. So let's look at the most famous piece of scripture about this, and it's one of my favourite scriptures, Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leaves me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Isn't that a beautiful piece of scripture? You know, and I am just going to pull out a few things about this scripture that we can just meditate on tonight together. And as we do, I just hope that the revelation of Jesus as your pastor will sink deep, deep, deep. So let's just pray. Lord God, I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here and that it's not about my words, but that you want to reveal yourself to people here tonight, that you want to go deeper. You want to open people's minds more and more and more to who you are and everything that you bring as our God, as our Lord, as our shepherd, as our saviour, as our friend, and the list goes on. And so, Lord God, I pray tonight for open hearts. I pray that your words would be spoken and that revelation would just be abundant here in this room. In Jesus' name. Amen. Awesome. So I just wanted to just pull out just the one, just, you know, the Lord is my shepherd. I just want to pause there for a minute. So we're talking about the chief shepherd. And then here we've got the psalmist saying, the Lord is my shepherd. Can you all say my shepherd? Jesus is my pastor. Say that kind of changes the dynamic, doesn't it? Jesus is the shepherd. Jesus is the pastor to Jesus is my shepherd, my pastor. It's deeply personal. It's an intimate connection. So the shepherd provides. That's the first thing I just want to talk, talk us through, just meditate on tonight. Verse 1 says, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. So good. Has anyone heard the song by Maverick City, Shall Not Want? Oh, it's transformative. Just just listen to it like 20 times. You know, because at face value, you know, you look at it, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, begins the psalmist. The word for shall not want used in the psalm kind of means I will lack nothing. And so at face value, you're thinking, well, hang on, (laughs) this can't be true. You know, how can this be true? I'm sure we can all think of areas in our lives that we lack, you know, um, whether it be a need for friendships, a place to live, a job, money to pay off that debt, you know, an answer to some big problem, 
you know, there's all these different things that we can identify and go, oh, I need here and I need there. And then, you know, even you can think, well, I guess they're not a need and you start to go, oh, well, someone's worse off than me or whatever, which never really helps you feel better, right? But then there's the lack in our lives, I guess, that sometimes feels like more permanent, like the loss of a loved one and the gap that that leaves in your life, things like that. And in this temporary, sort of in this physical world, you go, how can, how can the cry be, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want? Well, what does this mean? And so I've been thinking about this and I just wanted to, you know, talk through it a little bit. You know, we, we lost Shafin's mum uh, when she was just 52 and we were not quite 30. I remember we turned 30, it wasn't very fun <laughs> turning 30 because it was only a month after Shafin's mum went. And, you know, she was like the gentle touch in our lives, right? She was tender, she was nurturing, she was soft. Like, she just noticed you, right? She noticed things. She was incredible. And, you know, she had wisdom and insights and just a way of life that leaves an ongoing gap, like a sense of lack from time to time for Shafin and I. And, you know, especially when we go through hard seasons, you know, we miss that gentle, nurturing touch. She was like the one that brought that to our lives. And without her, it's like there's this gap. And you all know what I'm talking about. This is not about, oh, poor me. This is to articulate what we all experience in our lives. Different things. And it might not be that thing, but different things. And we just, she was such an incredible woman. And um, we just learned so much from her. But one of the things that I think she really taught us was the multi-dimensional nature of God. You know, that there's deeper realities. That there's not just one dimension. That this physical world and what we're dealing with is not just the only thing. You know, we prayed for healing for Shafin's mum. She died of cancer. And we prayed for healing. And so we were told when she died that, she, you know, our prayers weren't answered, that she wasn't healed. And I remember thinking, oh, yeah, I mean, I suppose that's true since she died. But, <laughs> but the thing is, Shafin's mum went through a lot of suffering in her life. You know, suffering that breaks a person that someone might never recover from. And in the months leading up to her death... And we were praying for healing, you know. But in the months leading up to her death, she was, I guess, more whole, more healed, more free, more joyful, more vibrant than we'd ever known her to be. And so for me, when people said, oh, well, your prayers weren't answered, she wasn't healed, I was like, yeah, I mean, I get that she died, but she was healed. It was in a different dimension. It was on a different plane. And it somehow it was more important, actually. And then stepping it up, Another level, for me, it's such a clear revelation that Chafin's mum, you know, my mum too, that she's now with Jesus. She's in a place where her suffering and her pain and her tears are all wiped away. You know, her healing is complete. Her joy is complete. Her rest is complete. Right? She's healed, Right? And somehow this truth supersedes the other things. Does that make sense? So yes, on one hand, she died, even though we prayed that she wouldn't. But there was this provision in this other part, these other dimensions, that somehow 
would have me echo that psalmist going, yes, the Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need, as did she. You know, what about us? We're still living. We have need. We have problems. We don't have Shafin's mum in our lives. And that, whether you know it or not, is a problem. <laughs> but what does Jesus say to us in, in um, <clears throat> Matthew? I'm out laughing because Wendy picked up a mer- mistake in my message when she was putting the slides up. <laughs> Thanks, Wendy. <laughs> um, I'm just going to paraphrase it because it's a long piece of scripture. But it basically, Jesus is saying to his disciples, do not be anxious about your life, what you'll eat, what you'll wear, for life is more than food and clothing. Consider the birds, they put no effort in, and yet God feeds them. How much more value are you than the birds? So don't be anxious. What can you add to your life with worry? Not even one day. So if you can't even do that, why worry? Look at the lilies of the field. They do nothing, yet Solomon in all his riches and glory was not arrayed as one of these. So if God clothes the grass, which is here today, gone tomorrow, how much more will he clothe you? So do not seek these things or be worried, but your father knows what you need. So instead seek first the kingdom of God and these things will be added to you. And here it is again. Fear not, little flock. For it is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. So if you just lost concentration for a minute there, I'll just shrink it down again. We're talking, don't worry about what you're going to eat and drink and wear because God's going to give you the kingdom. And he's talking about spiritual things. And you're like, hang on, we're talking about this. And suddenly Jesus is like, don't worry about those. I'm giving you this. And we're like, how does this connect, (laughs) you know? And it wasn't the only time he did it. He did it in scripture as well. Like when he came across the lame man who's on a mat and he needs, needs, you know, what does he need? He needs to be healed so he can walk. And Jesus is like, your sins are forgiven. And everyone's like, what? (laughs) Because Jesus sees us, not like we see us. He sees all of us. He sees all of the dimensions and he meets our need in all of these areas. So I'm not saying that he doesn't meet our need in the physical felt areas of life. But what I am saying is when our heart cries, Jesus is my shepherd, I have all that I need. That cry comes from somewhere deeper that refers to so much more than what is happening in the temporal world. And so when sometimes it doesn't all add up and there's gaps and we feel that lack and we feel that need, we've got to remember that there's such a bigger picture here. Which is why when we're walking through the valley seasons and the difficult seasons and the seasons of lack and all of those things that deep in our heart we can cry, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Then we go and we finish this piece of scripture from Matthew about not worrying about we're going to eat, drink, wear because God is going to give us the kingdom. And it says, see, you know, sell your possessions and give to the needy. In other words, live with abandoned trust, seeking first the more important dimension of the kingdom of God. And then it goes on to say, provide yourself with money bags that do not grow old, with treasure in heaven that does not fail, where no thief can steal. And on it goes. And really, can you see how Jesus is talking about these two dimensions and he's swapping back and forth and back and forth. So it's okay when we go through things that don't make sense sometimes. 
because it's temporary. And God, he is the one we can hope in. He is the one that will provide for us in this life. But even if it all goes to poo, we know (laughs) that he is actually faithful. That even in death, he is faithful. Because there is a higher reality. You know, I went through a season when I was in my early 20s um, where I needed a home. I was trying to set up a home and I had a few housemates and I had a house because there was more houses around back then than there are now. <laughs> um, but I was at the time sleeping in a room with, in a house of someone that I was studying with and I was like sleeping on a borrowed mattress at a cardboard box as my side bench and I was living out of a, like a suitcase. And this was going on for a few months and I was just like, oh, God, help, you know. And I was so embarrassed, like, <laughs> I didn't want anyone to come in my room or anything because I just had so, I just had nothing. I didn't have enough stuff, you know, for um, a house. And anyway, and so I, but I had um, so many other things. I had a roof over my head. I had an incredible church community. I had a job and plenty of hours work, so, you know, there was hope. But, but what I really had was I had a father who I could call on, so I did have hope right? So even in our lack, even when we're going through that gap period, we're like, where's God's provision all of this? The fact that we've got a father that we can call on, have you ever thought about that? You're like, and he's a sure thing. He is a sure thing. I felt like God spoke to me recently and said to me, hey, Jess, stop praying to me like I'm not a sure thing. I'm like, ooh. I'd had some disappointment. My expectations hadn't been met in some areas. And God's like, I know your expectations haven't been met or your time frames. But that doesn't mean I didn't know about all of this. I didn't know that, you know, I knew that your expectations weren't going to be met. But don't then conclude that because your expectations, your grid hasn't been met, that I'm not a sure thing. So pray to me like I'm a sure thing. I'm like, yes, God. <laughs> Whew. The correction of God is a beautiful thing. You know, and in that time when I had nothing in my, I needed furniture for a house, I remember praying to God and I was praying to God every day. When I prayed to him this one day, it was just a little bit more desperate, I have to admit. I was like, God, uh, I really need some stuff. And, you know, in one day, the provision for all of these things came to me in one day because God does like to show off his glory and likes you to leave you with no shadow of a doubt that it was him that did it. <laughs> it wasn't like, and I'm not, like it wasn't one person that rang me and went, I'm giving you my household. It was like five different people rang me on the same day and went, I got a bed for you, I got a couch for you, I got a this, I got a that. And God just, boom, provided in one day everything I needed. So, you know, whether you're in a season of waiting and you're praying and you haven't seen that answer yet, or whether you've got heaps of experience of God providing, I guess I just want to encourage you that your heart can cry The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, because there's this multidimensional aspect to life and God pulls it all together. So be encouraged, he is your shepherd and he will provide for you. I think one of the things that I encourage you to do, if you want to hook more into the Lord as your shepherd, as your provider, is I just encourage you that it's born out of authentic relationship with God. God as our father, our pastor. He's not our vending machine. He's not our customer service guy. He's not our taxi driver. He's in charge. It's a relationship. His answers are unexpected a lot of the time. His ways are different to our ways. 
So just check your approach. I have to. Make sure you're surrounded to him as the chief shepherd. Not looking to him with these expectations because that can just send us off in this pathway of disappointment. So I just encourage you, if you want to hook back in to, the, to that, perhaps you've just wandered off and gone, it's sick, God doesn't provide. No, he just mustn't. I want you to hook your faith back in. Draw close again. Submit yourself to God as your shepherd, as your pastor, and come back under that protection and provision. Philippians 4.19 says, My God will meet all your needs according to his riches, glorious riches in Christ Jesus. You know, when, the, um, when you're talking about shepherds and sheep, if you consider that sheep are with the shepherd and the shepherd provides for them, and then when a sheep wanders off, they're kind of not in that source of provision. And it's not because God's withholding from that sheep. It's not because the shepherd's withholding from that sheep. Sometimes we can think, oh, I'm, I'm out of line with God, so God's withholding from me. That's not it. It's just that the source of provision is about being near the shepherd because that's where the provision comes from. So if you want to come under provision, come near to the shepherd. Come in under his leading, yeah? So that's all about Jesus as shepherd. He's your provider. The shepherd restores. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Oh, doesn't reading that just make you feel better? Do you know... Difficult times, they just suck the life out of you, hey? Just like, oh, you know, and we're always like, yeah, God's shaping my character. He's building humility into me. (laughs) Silver lining, silver lining, silver lining, and all of that is true. But, oh, it just does something, doesn't it? And you need restoration, and you have a good shepherd who knows that your heart needs to be restored. Isn't that awesome? That Jesus knows. He knows that we're, you know, we need restoring. He knows that these hard times aren't just, you know, he allows it to refine us, but he knows that we need restoring. And, you know, I just love this. He makes us lie down in green pastures. You know, green pastures is a place where sheep are led to feed, you know, and still waters. I don't know, have you ever noticed how, I I know I I sort of prayed it earlier, but have you ever noticed how when things are just full on and you're feeling like "Mm, not that that, life sucked out of you, when you get into the Word of God or or you worship God or you pray, have you ever noticed how you start to feel built up on the inside it's like your spirit's being fed or how you um you know for me often I can have all of these thoughts just turbulent thoughts and then I come into worship or prayer and it's like God just like it's like a chiropractor just realigns my thinking and all of a sudden it's like the pain just settles I feel restored you know what I'm talking about so the word of God is just right there for us all the time Feed on it, read it, embrace the truth, the promises. He's so good. Worship, pray. I just want to draw out this one thing in this bit. He says, he makes us, he leads us. He, the shepherd, makes us, he leads us. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. It sounds to me like Jesus has got this covered. Is that what you're getting from this? How 
often do we take it into our own hands? I need restoring. So I'm just going to take myself away from church and God and everything else, go over here and get restored, and then I'm going to come back. It's not biblical. It's not the way it works. But we do it, right? John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. How often do we go run into worldly things seeking restoration? You know, I just love you to think right now. Just take a moment to think what green pastures and still waters are present in your life right now. The evidence of God's restorative work. You know, for Shafe and I, you know, we've had a bit of a tough season. And I have a few things I'm just going to share with you to help you identify the work and the evidence of your shepherd, Jesus, your pastor in your life. Nah, not, not much. I have, a, I have a friend that makes me laugh like crazy, right? She's not a Christian, actually. But I have a friend that makes me laugh like crazy and it's restorative. It's God-given. It's like still water in this season. Shave and I, we've moved into this place and it's kind of not ideal because it's short-term accommodation, but it's like two minutes from the beach. And I can tell you, we have seen some of the most breathtaking views, the most breathtaking, like, just natural things that makes you go, oh, there is a God. I can see that there is a God and you just get saved all over again because there is a God. I mean, look at those stars. Look at that moon. Look at that water expanse. There is a God. This is a restorative thing that our Jesus Our pastor, our shepherd has put in our life in this season that he knew was going to be tricky, that he knew was going to be difficult, and it restores our soul every day. What have you got? What has the shepherd put into your life that's restorative? Thank him for it. Be refreshed by it. It's a gift to you. And it's always present. It's always present. The shepherd leads. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You know, in life, there's a lot of choices, right? Like a lot. And there's paths out there that are not the right paths, yeah? There's paths out there that if you take them, there is trouble down that path. But just as there is trouble, sorry, just as there are paths that have trouble down the road, like avoidable trouble, I know that we'll face trouble in this world, but you know the avoidable trouble? And if you're a parent, you probably know even better because you watch your kids take them and you're like... (laughs) But there are paths that have his name written on them for you. Paths where we find destiny, we find purpose, we find blessing, and yes, undoubtedly trouble, but they're paths that has his name on them that bring sense and purpose to your life. And there's a few things we just do know about these paths. They're not out there somewhere. They often look like commitment to your family relationships, to your husband, to your wife, to your children. They often look like commitment to your church, serving on team, a life connected to purpose. All kinds of things. So these paths, look again. Look again at these paths that the shepherd has provided 
for you. You know, often people can be like, oh, the church takes my time, this, that, blah, blah, blah. But actually, let me flip that for you. Because I, I mean, you know, this is what the shepherd, your shepherd, has provided for you. Paths of righteousness, paths with his name on it, paths that will connect your life to the purpose, to the great commission. He is a good shepherd. He is a good shepherd. John 10, 3 to 5 says, The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought them out on his own, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from a stranger for they don't know the voice of strangers. So in a nutshell, they're saying the sheep know the shepherd's voice. We know the voice of our shepherd, yeah? So if you don't know what God's saying to you, if you're not sure, you're not clear, spend time with him. Spend time with your leader, your shepherd, your pastor, Jesus I'm talking about. Spend time with him. Let him restore you. Let him speak to you. Let him lead you. He will speak to you. You will hear his voice. You will recognize it. And and let him lead you in that place. So good. So intimate. So personal. The shepherd supports even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Yay. That's a good verse, isn't it? 2 Timothy 4, 16 to 17. This is Paul writing, and it's just um, kind of helps see a, an example for Paul of the, of the shepherd, his pastor Jesus, supporting him. He said, no one came to my support. Everyone deserted me. Have you ever felt like that? I'm sure you have. I'm sure you have. No one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. Yes. Oh, isn't that good? I can tell you that when you are in that deep valley, whether you're at the bedside saying goodbye to a loved one, at the graveside, in the courtroom, crying in your bed, he's there. He's by your side. He watches over your soul. You know, I remember um, when I had my first little baby, Oscar, I used to want to stay awake and watch over him all night to make sure he was breathing. (laughs) I know, it's kind of funny, but for many of you who know me, uh, who know us, you see, we lost our first baby in the womb about halfway through the pregnancy. We delivered our first little baby boy straight from the womb to the crematorium. And so when I had Oscar and he was small, I was gripped by fear, gripped by fear. Like I was sure he was gonna die too. It was this irrational fear. But I guess we'd experienced something that made us know that terrible things do happen. And you know, the only way really that I could sleep because I was so afraid was that I knew that my shepherd, Jesus, my pastor, could watch over Oscar as he slept. And so I would literally go to his cot and like I wouldn't want to leave him. And I would just pray, God, Jesus, just watch over him, protect him, sustain his life tonight. And then I would just put my faith in God. I just leaned on the promises of God that he had me. And then I could sleep because, you see, my shepherd watched over me and watched over my baby while I slept. 
You know, Jesus is the real deal. There is nothing to fear, not even in death, for he does watch over our soul. The shepherd defends. Your rod and the staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table for me in the presence of my enemies. You know, the rod and staff were used by shepherds to lead and guide and defend the sheep against wild animals. You know, God, he's our protector. He fights your cause. Again and again. You know, and it's similar to our reflections on provisions. I'm not going to go heaps into it. But you know when you just, life feels very unjust sometimes and you just want to get up there and defend yourself and you don't know what to do because the Bible's like, you know, the fight is not against flesh and blood, it's against, you know, principalities and powers and there's all this stuff swirling around but there's this thing within you and you just want to be like, I'm going to fight. You all got to know. <laughs> but, God, but God's like, step back, I will defend you. And so then you're just like, okay. Feels a bit like the provision thing. When are you going to do that, God? Because <laughs> I look like a fool right now. <laughs> but, you know, we just do need to trust him with the timing, you know, and, and not take things into our own hands. But just, just settle and know that he will defend us. It's a sure thing. Uh, but also just know that we are his followers. We are, you know, he was persecuted. We will be too, of course. Just settle with that, but be comforted by that because he is in charge and he will defend us. And he will defend us at the ultimate time when we stand before God. His defense will be with us. His presence will be with us and we will be ushered into that place of rest and joy where our tears and suffering will be wiped away because our shepherd will be there to welcome us in where we will not have to pay our own price for being separate from God. The shepherd finally blesses. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Oh, I love that. That's one of my favourites. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. You know, God, he's not mean. He is not a withholder. It's like... I don't know how you read that, but it's like goodness and mercy will follow me. It almost sounds like it's like chasing you. You know when your kids follow you? Where have you got, you know, yeah, follow you around. Have you ever been followed? Have you turned around and asked that person to stop following you? I've done that. Don't do it. It's not good. Goodness and mercy will literally follow you as a daughter or son of God. Goodness and mercy will follow you. It's amazing. He is so, so good. Do you know, sometimes we are robbed of this revelation of his goodness and mercy because of our tendency to fixate on our problems. Anyone else? Me, definitely. Shafin will tell you. A whinge and whinge. <laughs> I'm trying to change it. I'm getting better. And I know that I'm robbed of my ability to comprehend his goodness and mercy in my life. And the Psalm 103, 1-4 says, Praise the Lord, my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives your sins and heals your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion. Oh, how often do we forget the benefits, the goodness, the mercy of God, our 
your shepherd, your shepherd, your pastor. There's always his goodness in your life. It's always there. You know, why don't we just stand to our feet and just start to thank God for his goodness and mercy in your life. Thank you, God. We thank you, Lord. We thank you, God, that you're good. We thank you that you give us a new day. Every day is a new day. Your mercies are fresh and new every day. We thank you, God, that your grace is with us, that you give us all the things we need to do, the things you've called us to. Lord, we thank you for that time when you comforted us, when we needed it. Lord, we thank you for that friend that you put in our lives during that hard time when when we were lonely, Lord God. We thank you, Father, for the provision of parents where they've blessed us, Lord God. We thank you, Father, for family who have ministered to us in times of need, Lord God. We thank you for pastors and leaders who have come alongside us and ministered your grace to us when we've needed it. Lord, we thank you for that word of wisdom in a season where we didn't know what to do. Lord God, we thank you, Father, for that time when you made, you gave us peace that surpassed all understanding, and we just didn't know why we were in so much, so much grief, but you gave us peace. Thank you, God, that you gave us peace. Lord, we thank you, Father, for the paths of righteousness that you give us, Lord God, ways to connect to the Great Commission. We're like, you know, you give us the gift of taking this good news and this gospel out, but it's an impossible task, but you have made it bite-sized easy. All we have to do is follow the paths that you provide generously for us. God, we thank you, Father, for that time that you provided for us financially when we needed it, Lord God. We thank you, Father, for all of these good things. Lord God, we thank you for work that satisfies us. Lord God, we thank you for an income. Lord God, we thank you for good health. We thank you, Father, for the ability to laugh and smile and have joy. Lord God, we thank you for the ability to build new friendships. Lord, we thank you, God. We thank you, God, for the gifts and the talents you've placed in each of our lives. We thank you, Lord, Holy Spirit, that even when all is lost, you satisfy us to the deepest of our core, the deepest of our being. Thank you, Lord, that you satisfy. Come on, church, let your thanks lift up to God in this moment.